Good morning, Wayne. Happy to hear from you last night that you will be at Jerry World this Sunday to watch your Packers against my Cowboys from a box up next to Jerry Jones's box at Jerry World. Emperor versus Emperor. But right now it is time to skip the BS, time for Undisputed, time to talk national championship game. In a few minutes, we will get to Mike McCarthy on the hot seat, Jordan Love turning into Yikes, Michael Jordan, John Morant, gone again, and Aaron Rodgers, all-time hypocrite. But first up, it is Michigan 34, Washington 13. Jim Harbaugh got suspended to begin and to end this season, and now his team is 15-0, national champs. Weird game, misleading final score, but to me, Michigan was just ultimately too physically dominant in both the offensive and defensive lines. But let's see what Keyshawn Johnson and my friend Robert Smith have to say about all that. Robert, of course, is an NFL analyst for Fox, but for years he covered and studied college football. And nobody I know has a sharper eye for football than Robert does. He, of course, played college football at Ohio State before making Pro Bowls at running back for the Vikings. But trust me. Robert is about to give you a completely objective opinion of what rival Michigan just achieved. (laughs) Mr. Smith, good morning to you and welcome to Undisputed. And how did you see last night's championship game? Well, you know, Denny Green was my coach with the Minnesota Vikings. and He used to always say when we lost the game to the victors, go the Mary Franklin spoils you know Ooh. with slightly different yeah, language yeah, I, right I, I and uh, the yep. victors mm-hmm. the victors were cer- certainly valiant last night and i think you're absolutely right you know just too dominant offensive line defensive line i mean geez what a performance in that first half in those those long runs and i think washington really got exposed they would have been uh the lowest ranked total defense to yep. win a national championship in the bcs era they got really exposed you can see on these runs right here they just really didn't have any speed at the second and third level of that defense. And you know what Jim Harbaugh wanted to do. He wanted to go with these heavy sets, go play action and grind the clock out. And of course, Washington just wasn't able to convert on the opportunities that they did have. I think it definitely hurt Michael Penix, Penix's uh, mm-hmm. draft stock and some, and, and some of the throws that he yeah. had last night, some of those opportunities, but there just weren't enough of them. We'll get a little bit more into the details of what Michigan has done defensively. But I think, that's the thing that we've seen from Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. Coaches need to be coachable, right? They have to figure out where it is that they're deficient. And after five straight losses to Ohio State to open his career, he knew that he made, needed to make some changes, and he did. He did. Bully ball, Robert. Mm. You know, that's, that's basically what it boiled down to. It was like you mentioned the offensive defensive lines, controlling the line of scrimmage, patient running by, by Edwards and looking at the whole you played the position. He was not in there getting in there fast. He was very patient in picking his spots. Long home run hitters early in the game. But when you look at these two conferences, the Pac-12 conference and the Big Ten, we got four teams that are now going to go over to the Big Ten conference in USC, UCLA, Washington, and Oregon. Well, you saw exactly last night what could happen to you if your interior lines are not up to snuff. In the Pac-12 conference, as you know, historically, we like to throw the ball all over the lot. We don't like to muddy it up and, and beat up the line of scrimmage. It's just something that I don't know why that's been the case for so many years now, but until that changes on these four teams that's going into the Big Ten Conference, when you play Ohio State and Penn State 
in Michigan. I don't, you know, maybe Wisconsin gets back into the running game at some point in time. This is what you're going to see in that conference. You're going to see a physicality versus a finesse. And I think going into the game, we all knew that this is what Jim Harbaugh is going to do. He's going to play action. He's going to run the football. He's going to run it some more. He's going to play action. He's going to run, run, run until something finally hits. We knew what Michael Penix and, and Washington Huskies were going to do. They're going to try to throw the football with their receivers, and it just didn't work out. The two styles didn't work at all, Skip. No, no. They hey, and, but, but remember, yeah, remember who was, in the, who, was, who, was, who was in the Pac-12 with strong offensive and defensive line play, though, until 2015? It was Jim Harbaugh, right? When yeah. he was at Stanford. And, and what, he had one of my favorite lines ever when he was at Stanford. He said, we're going to win with two things character and cruelty and he brought that same mentality it just took him time it took him time to catch up from a talent perspective to ohio state i think that was the biggest part of it but he did all kinds of you know he's quirky you know all the lines about you know if worms had guns birds wouldn't be afraid of them which i still don't quite understand uh the satellite camps he did all the all all the foreign trips you know he's he's just kind of done it all and now you know the calculated endorsement of of revenue sharing i mean he's smart man he knows what to do but i think the biggest thing that he did defensively he went from that blitzing attacking style remember what he had he had don brown dr blitz as they called him all those years but he went to he went to john harbaugh and he said hey man i need some help on the defensive side of the ball so they brought over uh 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 mike uh, Mike McDonald, mm-hmm. and then Jesse Minner came in. Mike McDonald, hey, it worked out so well. He's like, okay, Mike McDonald, I need okay. him with the Ravens. So yep. he brought Jesse Minner in, and you know this key in the NFL, kind of what we've seen, that Vic Fangio style. We're going to play softer on the back end. We're going to have at least two safeties back there a lot of the time, and Washington just wasn't able to make them pay when they were sitting back there in those high safety looks, but they dialed back some of the pressure. But if you're going to do that, you got to be great up front. And Graham and the boys along that defensive line, although the sack numbers weren't huge, they no. were applying pressure to Michael Penix, forcing him into quick decisions. Yeah, they had 18 pressures last night, and they knocked him around. And the one play that started the second half, I think that Michael's ankle got stuck underneath and it wasn't right. I think his ribs got jarred and probably injured. And yet, quick point about the overall stats of this football game if i told you yesterday going into this game that michigan would go one of 10 on third down if i told you yesterday that washington would run 71 plays to only 57 for michigan and would win the time of possession what would you have told me yesterday you you would have said oh it's 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 a battle right but you wouldn't know that washington went two of 14 on third down but the point was the, the, the damage that Michigan did running the football mostly came in just the first quarter on just three plays, right? If we could yeah, see those. 150 yards on yeah, three 149 plays. 149 on these three. If we could see them all in a row just to see what happened. Donovan Edwards got loose. He hadn't, he hadn't gotten loose really all year. I hadn't even noticed him all year. And that's just a non-wrap-up. He bounces it out and escapes for a touchdown. So, that one goes for 41, and then here he goes again. That's just gaping hole, obliterated at point of attack, and that's 49 more and look, yards. And you look at and you look yep. at and look at that separation on yep. the on the second and third level of the defense. Separation. That's what really stood out. Look to at me. Blake Corum outrun the corner. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, that, yeah. that was it was it was great to see Corm. I had an had an opportunity to interview him last year, right before he tore his ACL. Oh, you know, tore his ACL late in the season, missed yep. a couple of games, and came came back strong. Man, I was I was happy to see him do what he was able to do. But you know, that, that second and third level of the defense, just no speed for Washington, and that's why they had the, the number of close games that they had this year because that defense just wasn't really up to stuff, and they were able to cover it up. Robert, can Blake Corm play pro football at what level? What What's his ceiling in pro football? How good can he be? I, 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 I don't know how good he could be, but I think he can definitely play pro football. I don't think he's going to be like a Mike Hart and flame out. You know, one of the things that I saw from him, which I think is it, it's the hardest thing to learn as a running back, and, and I think Keyshawn, you had already mentioned it. You talk about that patience, really late cuts, uh, you know, really pushing the line of scrimmage. You could see really setting up his blocks. Moving wide, moving wide, moving wide, setting back, but making those second and third cuts. He's one of those kind of guys that just has a natural feel at the second and third level of the defense is kind of where safeties are approaching, where he needs to make those extra cuts to turn those 15 yarders into 30 and 40 yarders yep. and 59 last night. You know, <laughs> I, I covered Emmett Smith, obviously. I see a little bit of the Emmett in Blake in that they're both obviously short, stout, incredible sort of underrated quickness in tight spaces and also underrated acceleration because Blake can hit whatever his top speed is. I don't know what he'll time in the 40. I, I think he'll be in the 4-4-ish range somewhere in there. Maybe not Robert Smith yeah. fast. But. Yeah, you're, you're, you're yeah. lucky you don't have Michael Irvin on the set. He'd be yelling yeah. at you right now for any Emmett Smith comparison. But, but, but uh, there's some yeah, there he because he's, he's hard to find yeah. behind the mammoth offensive line. You can't find him until he's into your second level, and all of a sudden it's like, where is he? How can we get him on the ground? And he's hard to get on the yeah, ground. And, and, yeah, and we saw it, you know, with your Cowboys, you know, picking up Deuce Vaughn. Now, he's obviously a bigger back, doesn't I, quite have the suddenness that a Deuce Vaughn has, but he has more power. So I think that his game's going to translate to the NFL yeah, level. Yeah. Like what's his ceiling going to be? You know, a lot of times that's what pieces you have around you, what that offensive line looks yeah. like, and, you know, how dangerous your, your pass threat is. And right. If I can get 4.5 yards of pop out of a guy like that, I'm not asking him to hit a home run every time, no. you know? But, but he, can, yeah. he can move. He, he can get loose. I, I see him get – you saw it on the 59-yarder. Okay, let's take a quick look at early in the second quarter, Michael Penix has a chance to make this a real live football game because his guy, Roma Dunze, gets open – and they're, they're kind of on the wrong page, but he is wide open. Keyshawn, what did you see here? Well, he's not ready to throw. Yeah. He's, he's open, but Penix isn't ready to throw. And what happens in these situations, oh, man, when you, you uncover that. so quick, though, Skip, yeah. and the quarterback's not quite ready to go, yeah. it's, it sends a sure panic on both players' part. I've been in this situation in the NFL as well as in college. I get open and I'm ready for the ball, but the quarterback's not ready to throw. And then he rushes the throw. And it gets you turned around and gets you off a little bit. They came back to that same play later in the game, and, and they were they, able to hit it. They hit it. But Odunze looked like he wanted over the inside shoulder off his break. Well, as soon you as know? he got open, yeah. he put his he hands put it, up. He put his inside hand up. Can we pull the play back up? Because uh, the thing that I want to watch, and Keyshawn mentioned it, you know, he's not ready to throw. The reason he's not ready to throw is his drop. And we see this so many times. Quarterbacks inconsistent feet lead to inconsistent throws. And, yeah. you know, you watch him throw off of that back foot. 
And I think that's the key right there. When quarterbacks don't have their feet timed up in the drop and ready to throw and don't get all, you know, get all of their cleats into the ground to make that throw, it leads to that type of inconsistency. So that's something you just can't do at the next level. And you look at young guys and and CJ Stroud. Yeah, I'm going to mention him because he's an Ohio State (laughs) guy, but but he's also going to be the offensive rookie of the year in the NFL. The thing that you see out of him is consistency with that drop. And, you know, we had a chance this past weekend to to call the Patriots game, and Bailey Zappi, even though he hasn't spoken to Tom Brady, he talked about just how detailed Tom Brady always was with those drops and really timed that drop up to the route combinations and to the progression. Okay. You get those first three or four steps, read one. Okay. Quick hitch, reset the feet, get the next step. You see from Michael Penix, it's just almost like a panic throw, right? He's thrown off of that back foot and more often than not, that's going to lead to problems. Yeah. And you're not in the pack 12 anymore. (laughs) You're you're up against these guys, right? Yeah. Okay. Or you're not playing Texas anymore. Okay, so now let's look at the first play of the second half. When they get the ball and they're down 20 to 13, very first play, Mason Graham, who I love, I just think he's a monster of a force in the middle of that Michigan defensive line, only a true sophomore. He blows this play up and blows up Michael Penix, and the ball goes straight up in the air. He's being doubled, and he still blows it up, and the ball gets picked. And it felt like that was their chance to, to make a statement, to go down and score. And that, that, whew, that Mason Graham, he's 320 pounds, and he looks like he's even more of a force than the kid we drafted in the first round, Mozzie Smith. So, I, man, he's still got at least one more year at Michigan. He's going to be a terror next year. No, this is Michigan's yeah, got some yeah. depth. Yeah, and, and, you know, and it's that interior pressure that's just so oh. difficult to deal with, uh, you know, because you can't you can't really do anything with formations. You can't uh, do any things with chips with the back. You get interior pressure. I mean, obviously, a guy out there in L.A., Aaron Donald, we've seen him do it for a number of years. We had an opportunity to see Quinn and Williams up close and personal. Yeah. And you get that interior pressure. There's just nowhere for the no. quarterback to go. And then you combine that with any type of edge pressure and it's dangerous. I mean, there's just nothing you can do. And you saw it right there. Graham so good with his hands, good with his technique. And you know, that's something that's again, it's for younger players. Yeah. It's just difficult to learn. It's different, difficult to learn the details of the technique, but using those hands like that, being able to split double teams, combine that with some extra moves that he's going to have uh, developed and, and and get into his toolkit, man. He's he's going to be dangerous. Something. Okay, let's look at this play quickly because the irony of this play is it's Michigan's one and only first down or third down conversion of the game. Third down conversion. It's third and eight from the nine late in the third quarter, and JJ McCarthy, who did not have a great game, gets loose up the middle, and he's got some speed and some athletic ability to make you miss, and you saw it on full display here. And it just got them out of jail because it felt like it's still the store. The score still stuck on 20 to 13. It yeah, felt like Washington had them. But you're at the second and third wave of defense, like Robert mentioned earlier. Those yeah. dudes are slow. Yeah, they, they, there's no acceleration. There's no speed. This is a quarterback. It's and a quarterback. you you should be able to close and converge on him just like that. But they were not able to. And he picked up necessary yardage. And as they converted, converged on him, it looked like a couple of them might have closed their eyes when they went to tackling. And hit each other. Hey, they, that's, a, that's, a, that's what I was going to say. It's one thing to converge on a guy, man. you got to make the tackle, right? And yeah. you know, we, we know that that's more, it's more of a problem in the NFL. I mean, you've got 
15 padded practices in the NFL once the season starts now, right? It's not yeah, that. Like he closed his eyes. I mean, you got you to get those guys yeah. to the point. Take that extra step and make that tackle. Defensive what? lineman, start sure. to jog as yeah. soon as he gets a couple of yards downfield. Yeah. I mean, that, that level of effort's not going to get it done. Okay, so that's one out of ten on third down for Michigan. And we get to the denouement of this game, the, the final last hurrah for, <laughs> the for Michael, like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's for Michael Penix. This is the throw <laughs> that he made early in the fourth quarter, and he finally connects on one, and a flag flies. If we can see this play. Yeah, it, it is one big time good. It's a pump and go. He threw it off his back foot, but he got Roma Dunze, uh open. He made a nice catch straight over the, the shoulder, over the head. And there's a hold on the play. And it's called back. And that was basically the end of Washington on that. Yeah. They was having all sorts of problems on that right side of the offensive line all night long. Yeah. And so I I guess the only thing you can do is grab them at that point, Robert. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, You get get beat like that. You watch. He doesn't take any any kind of set. You know, that first, that first step, you got a speed rusher like that. That step's got to be upfield, right? And uh, doesn't, doesn't converge on him quickly enough, doesn't close the door on the inside. It's just bad feet, right? You can't, yeah, you, you, you can't just use your hands in, in a situation like that. Once you take yeah. that set, you got to yeah. use your feet and get back to the inside. And look, man, it's easier said than done. And we talk about, yeah, we want to be a, a line of scrimmage team. And everybody says that's the way to win national championships those guys aren't hard or those guys are hard to find like it's one thing to find a big guy right then you got to find a big guy that's got decent feet but yeah. then you got to have especially at the at, you know when those guys make that transition and moving forward a little bit guys just got to have a little bit of mean on them you know that key right like those offensive linemen the best offensive linemen they got those elements they got the size they got the speed they got the feet but they just got a little bit of mean on him. And you just didn't see that. You better get some of those guys. But there are only so many of them around. Yeah. So, Keyshawn, did Roma Dunze, Kirk Herbstreit calls him the best receiver in college football. He catch your eye at all? I, I don't know that he's special. No, I don't, I don't think know, he's the best. No, the best dude is at Ohio well, State. That, that's, yeah, that's hands down. I said that last night. I'm it's, like, it's, I, it's I don't not know about even, that guy at Ohio State. He's yeah. calling the game, so I understand yeah. he's calling the game. I mean, he Rome was, give it. was incredibly productive. He, he's productive yes. and he's yes. good, but the best yeah. receiver is at Ohio State. And, you and that's Marvin Harrison Jr. And you interviewed him. Yeah, he's yeah. the best receiver. Okay. It's not even close. All right. All right, Robert, back to you. <laughs> Let's deal with the issue that is prevailing right now. Should there be an asterisk on this championship because Jim Harbaugh did get suspended for recruiting violation for three games to start, and then obviously for the spying operation that he oversaw, he suspended for the three games late, starting pre obviously Penn State, what, what's your gut feeling on how this championship should be viewed historically? Yeah, I don't really think that there should be an asterisk on it. I mean, you know, for me, uh, you know, I, I do have some faith in the investigation, and I think that they did what they needed to do. I mean, you fire the linebacker coach, and, uh, you know, you obviously make that change. He served his suspension, and, you know, I think the details of this are, are, are going to be uh, – figured out here at some point, but my, my guess is that the linebacker coach counter stallions, they wanted to keep this isolated. They didn't want this, 
to run up the chain in case they were caught because uh, they felt that if there was some at least some plausible deniability, and I think there's probably yeah. uh, actual deniability. I mean, I, I, I heard old uh, uh, Joel Klatt talk about this. He said that he asked Jim Harbaugh point blank. He said Jim Harbaugh is one of the coaches, one of the only coaches uh, that's never lied to him. Uh, and obviously he wants to, you know, he wants to put on a good face on this one. But I just don't know. I just don't know. I don't know how much of an impact, especially moving forward, you know, even before the Ohio State game, something like this uh, had been revealed. And, and quite frankly, you know, once offenses get a, get a wind of this and the offenses are doing this anyway, they're changing their signs. They're doing all kinds of things. And this advanced scouting rule was put into place in 1994. And it was really more for budgetary concerns that advanced scouting and the landscape of college football has changed. My guess is that that rule is going to change. I don't really think it has an impact yeah. on Michigan winning right. the national championship. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it has an impact either, Robert, as far as their national championship, because they, they if they were cheating, that was a while ago. It wasn't in these last four or five games, right? It just it just wasn't. Um, so I look at it from that standpoint. And some people say, well, they were put in this position because they won those games that they cheated in. I don't really care about that. But as far as I get it, I love Joe Klatt too. But Joe, don't fall for the I don't know anything from a head coach who runs the entire athletic department. Yeah. Okay? At Michigan. He's the head coach who runs the entire athletic department because football is king in Michigan. So let's not, I don't know anything. I can't, But here's the thing, though, Key. We know that, you know, especially with digital, in the digital age, everything's out there, right? So I'm guessing that there would have been some evidence uncovered by this point that would have implicated Jim Harbaugh if that evidence existed. And that's why, again, you know, you talk about who was it? Mr. Mr. T, who was, who was, who was the booster that they said they just identified him as Mr. T or some, whatever, whoever that booster was that financed this operation, Connor Stallions and that linebacker coach. Again, I think that they designed this program intentionally to shield Jim Harbaugh. So that operation, yeah. uh, that spy operation they had was designed to keep him out of this. I know, Keto, you don't believe it. You believe Never. <laughs> never. As I told right. Skip and, and Sharon and Michael Irvin, yeah. I will never believe he did not know anything. I've been around yeah. too many coaches in my career, and they know everything. Yeah. They know it all, your and personal life and everything. By the way, this is what Jim Harbaugh volunteered last night after the game, if we could quickly see his – it wasn't even a response. He just wanted this on the record last night about how innocent they were. It couldn't have gone better. It went exactly how we wanted it to go, uh, to win every game. Uh, the off-the-field off issues – we're innocent, and, and we, stood, we stood strong and tall because we knew we were innocent. And I just like to point that out. And these guys, these guys are innocent, and yeah, overcome that. Um, it wasn't that hard because we, we knew we were innocent. Okay, <laughs> but they did get caught. For two things, for second-level recruiting violations, for what that's worth, and for Jim obviously oversaw a, a, 
a sign stealing operation. Do other schools have? I'm sure they do. Was everybody trying to sure they're all trying to steal signs? The thing I do like about this is that Jim did pay for his transgression, whatever it might have yeah. been. He, he got suspended twice, three games and three games. And by the way, what, they, they weren't sign stealing when they went to Penn State and they beat them and then they beat Ohio State and then they beat Iowa and then they beat Alabama and then they beat Washington. So they did that. That's so, why I said, yeah, that's why yeah. I said, Skip, the last five or so games, yeah. they took care of business. They wasn't they they sign stealing at all. But again, Robert, <laughs> that ain't going to get me to say, okay, I don't care, man. I just know better. Yeah. And that's okay. If, if that's, if everybody does it, it's fine. But don't tell, don't, just don't do this to me. Make me believe you have no knowledge at all about anything that's went on Agreed. in your program. Thank you. I'm just saying. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp because your mental well-being matters. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Unlock the power of therapy with BetterHelp and witness the transformative benefits it brings to your life, from gaining valuable insights into your thought patterns to building resilience in the face of challenges. Therapy empowers you to navigate life's twists with confidence. BetterHelp offers a convenient online platform. It's designed to be flexible, fitting seamlessly into your schedule. With a simple questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at no extra cost. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash UndisputedPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash UndisputedPod. Your mental health journey begins here. Mike McCarthy fired Kellen Moore and took over the play calling this season. And guess what? Cowboys led the NFL in scoring 29.9 points a game. Let's call it 30, just as they led it with Kellen Moore calling plays in 2021. Yet, Jerry Jones said after Sunday's crucial win at Washington that McCarthy will be evaluated one playoff game at a time. Richard Sherman, good morning to you. And I ask you, do you agree or disagree with Jerry's approach? Well, I, I guess I disagree with the assessment, you know, but this is Jerry Jones. This is how it's been. This is where he stood during training camp. This is where he stood in the offseason. So I don't have a problem with what he said necessarily. It's just the time in which he said it. You know, I, I guess he could have said this after the season or before the season. But when you say it right before the playoffs, it's going to put an unnecessary bug in his ear, an unnecessary seed of doubt. Uh, it may affect decisions that he makes throughout these games because he feel like, feel like he's coaching for his life. Mm. And if you looked at the team and you looked at Dak Prescott and you listened to, to how he's speaking about McCarthy and you listened to C.D. Lamb, and you see C.D. Lamb and the resurgence and the, the unbelievable season that he's had, number one in a number of categories, and you tell me, hey, 
None of that matters if you don't get us to the Super Bowl or an NFC Championship game. You're fired either way. That seems like that. That seems like poor leadership to me because at the end of the day, things have improved. Things have improved. This offense has Dak Prescott. He's playing some of his best football of his career. The team overall is playing fantastic football. It seems like everything's trending in the right direction. They're the number two seed in the NFC. They'll have two home games if they, you know, if they make it as far as they need to make it. But for him to say that when things seem to be on the up and up just seems like an unnecessary distraction and an unnecessary bit of drama that went into these playoffs. Because I think, you know, Keyshawn, Skip, you, we all knew that, hey, if you don't take him to the NFC, we said it multiple times, he's probably gone. We don't need you to say it, Jerry, because you actually have the power to get it done. And so when you say it, when, when, when me, Keyshawn, Skip say it, you know, it's just us media. We speculate and we, we but when you say it, that you really are in control of this man's livelihood and it has a different impact. So I think he should have been more cautious about delivering this. Unwarranted pressure, as I tried to tell you and Michael mm-hmm. yesterday. Yep. Skip, it's Unsuccessfully, un- you tried to, it, but go it, ahead. Yeah, it, it, but here I am with Richard Sherman coming mm-hmm. on a day later, <clears throat> essentially echoing the same thing that I said. Yeah. Why would you apply this type of pressure at the start of the playoffs where a coach now is going to be coaching scared and trying to figure out if he's making the right or the wrong calls in certain situations, why would you do that? Mm. When you could have very simply, easily said something totally different. If that question was posed, he could have simply just said, we're happy to have a number two seed right now. I can't wait to play the Green Bay Packers, and then we're going to move on from there, and hopefully we get another opponent a week later. Just say those things. Mm. You don't need to say you're going to evaluate him game to game as time goes on. So every single game, when Mike McCarthy comes out of the locker room, onto the field, Mm -hmm. doing the pregame, he's going to be sitting around on that bench. You know how they sit on the benches, Sherman, they get to thinking doing pregame? He's going to be sitting there thinking, Mm -hmm. this might be my last game. This might actually be my last game. He's really going to sit there with his play call sheet thinking about, Damn, this might be my last game. Mm. And, and, and so now you dive into the game, right? And as I tried to explain to you and Michael yesterday, all of a sudden, do I take the three or do I try to go for it on fourth and two? Well, if I go for it on fourth and two and I don't get it, ah, well, if I kick the field goal and we down still, you don't do that to coaches, man. Mm. You just don't. Mm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I understand you want... Yeah. In a certain way, because you're a Cowboy fan. Yeah. But you don't do that, Skip. And I understand. You want him no. to lose, and that's okay. I don't want him to lose. I don't care. Uh, Keyshawn, I've been hearing those kind of things that you wanted Jerry to say for 28 long years. There has been no accountability in this franchise. There's been no urgency in this franchise. There's no fear factor in that locker room or in those coaches' offices of, if you don't get this done, heads will roll. You don't think he yeah. know that? You don't oh, think Mike on. McCarthy and his staff hey. already know if we don't I'll go to the G- NFC Championship game, at least some I'll, of us are going to be replaced. All Jerry has ever know. said for 28 years is it's going to be okay, and I love oh. Mike, and he can be here as long as he wants to be. I don't want to hear any of that anymore. I believe that once Jerry enshrined Jimmy on going back two Saturday nights ago in the Ring of Honor – Once that happened, I believe that Jerry wised up and woke up and took a page out of Jimmy's playbook. 
and sent a message, not just to Mike, but to the locker room of, I won't stand for this anymore. I'm going to evaluate everybody on a game-to-game basis because what do I know about Mike McCarthy? If we go back a couple of years ago, they had a home playoff game against Jimmy G and the San Francisco 49ers, and they did not show up for that game. They were not ready to play that game. I also know they went out to San Francisco a year ago, and they lost a playoff game that the team played fairly well in and the quarterback played very poorly in, and they lost 19-12. to 12. All I know about this year is if you look closely, and I've had to take your guys' verbal abuse about all these games I'm about to mention, they went to Arizona and laid the biggest egg of the year, and it was embarrassing and humiliating. Then they went to San Francisco and got annihilated and humiliated 42 to 10. And they went to Buffalo and got literally run off the football field. And they went to Miami and lost, and they came home, and they lost to Detroit. They lost the football game until the referee screwed up and took them off the hook. That's what I've been seeing. And God bless them. They went to Washington and you scoffed and laughed as you probably should have on Monday. But they did go take care of business. And because Philadelphia fell right into their laps, soda and fell on their faces, the two seed fell into our laps. We lucked into the two seed. So here we go. We got an opportunity. We, we could have two potential home games. And I love it that Jerry says, well, I'm going to evaluate this a game at a time. I think he's evaluating everybody. I, I think he's evaluating the quarterback a game at a time before he decides I'm going to bet the ranch on the quarterback long term. Let's see what we see because the track record here. They did go win at Tampa last year, but what's Mike McCarthy won a Super Bowl 13 years ago in Green Bay, and then what exactly has he done since then? Not all that much. What you just won. Yeah. You just won a division. Yeah. Not we, only did, did you we not, not just back win. into it. Did it doesn't we, matter. You yeah. won it though, Skip. Yeah. You won the division. You're the number two seed. Like Richard said, you got a chance to have two home mm-hmm. playoff games. Yeah. And maybe. Just maybe something happens in San Francisco along the way, and maybe you get the NFC Championship game in Dallas. Who knows? Okay. But you can't sit here and try and tell me that applying this type of pressure to a coach, not in the middle of the year, not at the beginning of the season, not coming out of training camp, but right before you have a playoff game, you now are going to tell the world you're evaluating him on a game-by-game basis yep. as if he just didn't win the division okay, Okay, and have the second seed. Mm-hmm. Are you crazy? And he had the number one offense. No, and he's finally smart. Finally, after oh all these years. He's shot 28 years. You can't do I don't, that. I don't, I, don't, I don't get it. And, and 28 years is a long time, Skip. But what in these 28 years has shown you that fear – is the great motivator. What has it? What has? <laughs> what have these other owners done that has shown uh, you? Hey, Richard, I, I, they're they're going to no, tell no, their no, coach no, no, before no. the playoffs. No, Richard, I covered Tom Landry's Dallas Cowboys for I years and years. I don't care what you I covered. I covered Jimmy Johnson's 30, Dallas 30 Cowboys years for ago. years and years, years and they ago. motivated by fear. The players yeah, walked into those locker rooms and they were scared to death of Tom Landry and Jimmy right Johnson. Now. Trust me, I can tell you about good fear, a lot of stuff good fear. that was happening 30 years no, ago I that cannot it. happen I right now, Skip. Yeah. I, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. A lot of people experienced a lot of stuff 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. I tell you, color my skin, Skip, it was a whole different conversation, so I don't care. So it's a different day and age. It's a different day and age, and you have to evolve. Let's if you're telling me, hey, Let's how it was say it's okay. 30 years ago, I need it's to go okay. back to that way. Sure. That, that, okay. Tom Landry and those guys could not coach during this time. It's safe. a different time, Skip. No, it, it's not. It's not. The last, 
the last five Super Bowls, Skip, take me through those coaches. Take me through that ownership. Tell me how they motivated. Did they, did they scare them? Did they tell them, hey, you don't win these playoff games? Did Clark Hunt say that to Andy Reid? You think that's how he's, he's talking to him? No. I guarantee no. you he's not. No. I don't think that's how he's doing it. I don't think the Glazers said that to Bruce Arians when Tom and those boys that made a run. I don't think they really did it like that. I don't think Stan Kroenke really motivated like that. I think yep. they just let their coaching staff do what they do, and then they make decisions behind closed doors if things aren't the way they need it to be. And, and well, I understand what you're saying, Skip, about the past, the 28 years, and the ghost, and all of those sort of things. You can coach players hard to this. They're still hard coaching in going on to the National Football League. Isn't Everything is not a country club. But here's what I would say. When you say he's talking to the players mm -hmm. as well as the coaching staff, well, I can tell you right now, he ain't talking to Dak Prescott because you got to pay him. So he ain't talking to CeeDee right. Lamb because you got to pay him. He ain't talking to Michael Parsons because he got to pay him. He ain't talking to Lawrence because Lawrence is under contract and he's there and he's been playing well. Okay? He, his, 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 so he's only talking to Mike McCarthy. He's not talking to his right. core group of guys. Yeah. That's him, Jerry Jones, sending that type of message does not affect the players. What it will affect is how coaches coach. When you're coaching so tight that you can't shoot a BB out of it, mm -hmm. that's a real problem. <laughs> that's just the reality of it. And I believe that he has put undue stress and pressure on this man. No, he, he has. There's oh. no need to do that. He's, He's already yeah. coaching the Cowboys. No. You keep mentioning 28 years and 1996 Super Bowl mm -hmm. in Arizona. You don't think Mike McCarthy knows this already? Mm. You don't think Dan Quinn knows this already? What's of Mike McCarthy's biggest flaw? What 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 is his? Well, y'all say clock management. No, I don't know what his no, biggest flaw no. is now, because it changes. Motivation. Skip says motivation. Getting, getting team ready to play. Just having them ready to play. There's no strong leadership in that locker room. I do not think my quarterback is what I call I, I, a strong I, I leader. I watched people. Condemn Tony Dungy mm -hmm. because he was a soft, quiet leader. Yeah, but who do you okay? have in the locker room? But I, I understand that he had certain guys in the locker yeah. room. But they, I'm talking about the coaching standpoint. Mm -hmm. I watch people say, oh, he's just too, mm -hmm. he's just too. The man didn't do nothing but just set records and go on and win a Super Bowl and, and, and re reshape what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was about he before he went to Indianapolis. Yeah. So just because Mike McCarthy is not a screamer and a yeller on the street, there's Pete Carroll. But they yeah, get the no, message. But, but Richard knows. They he's, get the message. He's very emotional. And you, Richard, were your teams ready to play when it was time to play? You had strong leadership in your locker room, obviously. But, but Pete was, was an emotional leader. I, I think he got his team. He always has his teams ready to play. And you don't yeah, think Mike would, McCarthy has that. his teams ready no. to play? No. Are you serious? But they just went. Are you They serious? just got the second Have seed. Have you been watching? They got the second seed. Yeah, we backed into they, it. And they the won the division. Yeah. But now your coach doesn't know what the hell he's okay. doing. Okay, what happened at Arizona? What happened at San Francisco? You were there. You laughed at me. You scoffed so, at so me. I'm going to laugh at you. Yes. I, I, I'm, I'm saying this. So with your quarterback playing the best ball he's ever played, yep. you got a receiver who's likely an all-pro, probably a potential for the player of the year, but Christian McCaffrey had too big of a year, so I, you know, it, it, it's going to be closer than people gonna think. It's going to be close, yeah. Uh, you got a great defensive coordinator, a defense that's played really good football, yeah. but you're telling me that, hey, we're going to get rid of these this guy because we think we can do better? You think you can get somebody can get more out of Dak Prescott? You think somebody can get more out of C.D. Lamb? You think somebody can get more out of his team? Because when yes. you fire a head coach, that's what you're saying. 
Yes. That's, you're saying that. And, and, urgency. And, and, and what, what I'm telling urgency. you is. We need to be ready to yeah. play. I've seen too many games where they came out flat and not ready to play football. It, what, 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 what's the Cowboys? Then that Cowboys seems like a personnel year, issue yeah. more than. What's what, your record What happened this year? in Arizona? What, what happened? But that was the beginning yeah. of the season. Uh, what was your record this year? 13 and 4? Uh, 12, 12 and, and 5. I think. Five. 12, so you're yeah. 12 and 5. So, yeah. You so, got the so number two seed. San Francisco. You're getting ready to you're getting ready to pull mm-hmm. what the Chargers did to Schottenheimer when he was I think he would what did he go 12 and four or something like that or was it 14 and two it was a crazy record and they parted ways with him and yeah. they still ain't been the same. You getting yeah. ready to tell yeah. me you getting ready to think about doing that? Well, what happened to Wade Phillips once upon a time in Dallas? That was was that. Around your time. Yes, but it flamed yeah. out, though. Okay. Well, they had the number one seed, and they had a home playoff game, and time. they lost, right? But it flamed out after time. This guy hasn't right. even he hasn't even started the playoffs yet, and y'all talking about getting rid and, of him. And, mm-hmm. and they talking about getting rid of him. And that's that's the part that's concerning me is because, like, like I told you on this very show, Skip, y'all aren't even like – yeah, because you were all excited about the regular season win. I forget who y'all beat. Maybe it was the Eagles or something. You're talking about how great a job McCarthy's doing and, and how great Dak was and the MVP candidate, which was all accurate at the time. Mm-hmm. But then all that goes out of the window because, hey, now we now the re- I, real I, season starts. I only starts care about now because get, I haven't seen any now lately. I haven't and, seen and, now. And, and, I haven't seen what's about again, to happen right now. And again, hey. I have yet to see a coach strap the cleats on and hey. walk out on that field. Not everything that happens in the playoffs are up to the coach. Not everything that goes on is because the coach didn't get his team ready or the coach, the guys the drop passes, not. guys yeah. make mistakes, guys don't sure. show up in big moments. Yeah. It don't matter who the coach is. You can be the greatest coach ever. If I drop the pass or if I give up, I blow the coverage, or if I have a brain fart, then we can lose the game. Sure. What I'm telling you, Skip, is you're looking at one side of the coin. And the other side of that coin is it can get worse. Yeah, okay, I got you. But I need somebody to set the right tone going into this game and what I hope to be maybe two more home playoff games. I need this team to be ready to play because Green Bay will be ready to play because they got nothing to lose. We're about to talk about their young quarterback who is coming of age right before your very eyes and is doing some extraordinary things. You better be ready to play because you're better than Green Bay, but you have to show that immediately. You have to take immediate control of this game. And I don't still trust Mike McCarthy to do that. If we come out flat and fall on our face masks, Mike McCarthy will be gone. So, you're telling, so in gone. other words, you, you're telling me you're going to have a new coach Tuesday. Is that what you're telling me? Well, if we lose, we will. Not by Tuesday. We won't have the old coach by Tuesday. So you'll have a new coach by Tuesday. Well, that's what you seem like. You're telling me. Well, you saying we're going to go hire Jim Harbaugh? No. What I'm saying. What I'm saying is you're saying that he's probably going to lose the game based on the the way you're talking. Well, I didn't say that. I said they're going to hire somebody. So eventually, that spot becomes open. So therefore, you'll have a new coach. I just said if we lose, he's gone. You don't. You 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 disagree? Do you think think they're going to lose? No. Okay. Absolutely not. So why are you They're talking seven like that point then? favorites. So why are you acting because like that? It's fine like for Jerry to say I'm going game by game. I love that. So if there's he finally some, showed some so leadership some mistakes as the made, owner. If there's some yeah. mistakes made in the game by the coach, are you going to blame Jimmy? I mean, blame Jerry? Blame Jerry for yeah. the mistakes? Yeah. Well, you will. Now you've set the tone. Oh. Yeah. But you I'm just, just asking you. You're, you're just waiting for him to lose. Are you predicting they're going to lose? Don't worry about that. I'll tell you on Friday. I think you're going to pick Green Bay in this game, and I'm going to love it because I might win some more 
Okay. Well, then don't yep. worry about yep. nothing here. You're good. Right. Okay, I'm good. Unfortunately, John Morant is not good. There's no more jaw this season. We're about to react to that in just a moment. No mercy. No mercy. No mercy. When it comes to travel, we all know that feeling of wanting to escape to our happy place. Whether it's hitting the beach, the ski slopes, or just kicking it with your crew in a tropical paradise. And Priceline wants you to get there and be very happy with a happy price. So you never have to miss a trip. Let me tell you, Priceline has got your back to make it all happen. My happy place is Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. Picture this. Crystal clear waters, golden sands, and sun shining down on you like it's your personal spotlight. That's right. Cabo is my ultimate happy place. And you know what makes it even better? Priceline's VIP family feature. You heard it from me. That's right. VIP treatment for you and your squad. Imagine being with your crew, soaking up the sun and living your best life. And while scoring deals up to five times faster, it's like scoring a game-winning touchdown on vacation. Now, who am I taking with me to Cabo? To that epic trip, that adventure? My boys, my ride or dies, my crew. Ones who've been there through thick and thin from the beginning to the end. I'm not taking any kids, no kids, just me and the boys living it up. So what are you waiting for? Download the Priceline app today and save up to 60% off select hotels and go to your favorite happy price with Priceline. Make some memories that'll last a lifetime. Cabo ain't ready for me or us, but we're ready for Cabo. Thanks to Priceline, the real MVP of travel. It's now your turn. Hashtag Undisputed Live. Here we go with the first tweet. Skip declaring the Cowboys curse officially dead. I think that's a voodoo doll. I may have to try that it? before the San Francisco game. On the is that 49ers. Jim Carrey? I don't know who that is. I can't tell. I'm not sure if it's Jim Carrey or not, but I like the idea. Tweet number two. Uh, this is replying to to me, and I tweeted, where will Jim Harbaugh coach? And the answer is, the Bears. Well, we talked about they still have a coach as we speak, but if Jim comes available, yeah, I don't keeping. know. I don't know. He's he available. If he comes available. He, he is available. If, yeah. Yeah, you know he's available. Don, you've been That's working the, the phones for the last month, man. Probably come on, who do you think you're talking to? Yeah, good point. And finally, we have Keyshawn. Trying to slow down the Cowboys train. I like that. That's yeah. Toby McGuire. <laughs> I got to slow it down because yeah. you get beside yourself, man. You get, you just, you you do too much. Yeah, you got to calm down, but Skip. But it looks like Toby's having a hard time. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going to let it go. That's okay. Hey, look, hey, that's okay, Shire. I'm just going to throw the 49s in front of him and see if that stops him. <laughs> yeah, that might. That's it. That's yeah. it, Keith. That's what Sherm's hoping for. <laughs> uh, All right. On a more serious note, poor John Morant. He's gone again, this time for the rest of the season, thanks to a right shoulder injury that will require surgery. The Grizzlies announced that Ja tore his labrum in a training session last Saturday. Memphis 6-3 and three since Ja's return from suspension, and since he's returned, he's been averaging 25 and 8 assists. Keyshawn, your reaction to this news? Yeah, it's it's uh it's unfortunate. I you know, I didn't even realize he's only played nine games this yeah. season so far. I mean, I know he missed time obviously with the suspension, but 
you know, he's averaging, he came back, he averaged 25 points a game, eight assists. It certainly looked like that they was headed in the right direction to maybe get themselves in a, a, a nice playoff spot to contend. Um, it's just one. He done had a – all I can do is say, man, he done had a rough 12 months or so. Rough. Right? I mean, yeah, it's just – rough one. Rough one. In, in these situations, I think he'll come back healthy. I think he'll be fine. Um, he'll have time to, to, to heal. He'll have time to think. He'll have time to get a lot of other things in order. And so it's just unfortunate that we don't get a chance to see him play the rest of the season. No. I mean, he's such a yeah, phenomenal I, young player. Yeah. I think it's devastating for, for – not only the Grizzlies, but for the league. You know, it's it's one of those situations. He came back, got player of the month right off the bat, um, came in ready to play, playing great basketball, elevating his team, doing everything that you expect, uh, making statements almost every game. You saw him, you know, in the clip dunk on uh, Wimbenyana. He did. You know, that's more of a statement play. He was he was out there to prove a point. It's unfortunate that we won't get to, to, to see him play. You know, I, I think – it's devastating to the, to the Grizzlies' chances to do anything special yeah. this season because, obviously, you, we saw how they looked the 25 games that he missed, um, and we saw how he looked when, when he came back and how different that entire team was. But, uh, yeah, like, like he said, it's going to be a tough – it's been a tough 12 months for him. It's going to be a tough rehab process because you're, you get so lost in your own head. When you, when you know there's a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, it's easier to get motivated and, and work hard and, and do all this. Because he knew 25 games, a 26 game, I'm back out there. I'm, I'm doing my thing. Now that your season's over again and you know you have to wait till next year, you know, there's so much that can happen. So I hope that he has great people in his corner. I hope he has, has great people to talk to that, yep. that call him, check on him, text him. Because, you know, it's a slippery slope. And when you fall into that, that dark place, you know, especially with injuries, yep. you know, things can kind of spiral. So I hope he good has good point. people around him. Good did, this, did this injury come from the, the, the wear and tear and the banging over time? Or did he I mean, fall? Because he is weird. a smaller guy. It's weird they said it was in a training session. I didn't know if that meant he was lifting weights or, or something. I, I don't know. It didn't sound like it was playing basketball to me. I, I don't know. But whatever. Richard and I were talking yesterday about Stefan Gilmore and his shoulder popped out. And as Richard said, when that happens, you usually tear something because Richard's gone through it before. And I, I don't know, because he is a smaller man who reaches Iverson Heights, you know, when he goes up. It, I mean, he can just flat out, you know, inch for inch, there's not a better leaper in, in the NBA than Ja. But what goes up must come down, and so you could be right. Maybe you just, you have too many high flyer descents and to hit the hardwood, as they call it. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and, and look, again... I don't know the extent of the injury and how it occurred, but I, I would just think that he's getting banged around because he is a smaller guy. It's yeah. not like he's walking around with the white Howard shoulders. No. And so, you know, this team will have an opportunity to now rethink their roster as they try to make a playoff push again. And if not, they can rethink their roster for next year when he comes back. Sure. I mean, no. it's just. No, I got it's it. It's really where it's at. But what struck me about this is I was in awe of the impact this young man had on that basketball team as soon as he stepped back yes. out onto the floor at New Orleans, and he's going head-to-head -head with the guy who was picked above him, uh, Zion, obviously, in that draft. And he just took the game over in his first game back down the stretch, and you could just see his teammates. They just looked different because they've been horrible without him. They've been hapless and hopeless and they just been another bad basketball team until he steps back on the floor and all of a sudden 
They look like a playoff team to me, and they went six and three in those nine games. But he just was like lightning striking that team in a great way where, where all of a sudden you could just see the body language change of everybody around him. And then I was watching a game with my wife Ernestine the other night. I can't remember which game it was, but at the end of the game, it might have been a Laker game, but I can't remember. But, but it was Ja and Jaron Jackson Jr. They did a joint interview at the end of the game. They kind of leaned up against the scorer's table. And I commented. Laker game. It was the Laker game, right? And, and I commented to Ernestine. That, that was the best post-game interview Jaws ever given because he, he, he really is right before you. He's growing up right before your very eyes, and he's been through a lot of stuff. We know about all the stuff off the court, but he is maturing. He's getting a hold of it. He's becoming the face of that franchise and the team leader, and he gave a great breakdown of the game, and it was insightful, and it was still entertaining because he's always entertaining. But you remember some of the, the interviews from – playoffs past where he'd just go crazy after the game and we're going to do this and we got this and we did this and and th- this was a maturing basketball player and a leader and a face of the NBA right before your very eyes and then this happens. Well, I think a couple yeah. months ago they took it away from him. They did. So, That's a great point. That's you know, what happened. When, when yeah. you miss something that 25 you so games deeply you had love miss. and you're yep. missing 25 games yep. and you watch your teammates out on the floor And you're at home or wherever you're at, you're thinking a lot. You're processing who you are. And so, yeah, you're going to grow naturally. That's just if you have any sense at all, you're going to grow because you you're looking at the reaction of what people are saying. You're seeing it and you're saying to yourself, I got to make a change. I got to do things differently. And I think he did. I think when you talk about that game against Zion and coming back at the Pelicans, he let everybody know I do got receipts. (laughs) I understand what's out there, what people are saying about me. And I'm going to show you all that I'm a different Mm -hmm. human being on and off the court. Yeah. And. And I, I think that's going to have to continue because this is, as you know, Keyshawn, this rehab process, especially after he just saw the light. You know what I mean? It's like getting a taste of food, being in the desert. Yeah. You know, you, 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 you're parched and you get a taste of some water and then they yeah. snatch the water away from you and you're still in the desert. And so I think that this is going to be an important time for him uh, to continue that growth, to continue that majority, to continue to show that he, he's changed and that he's a better person. I think, again, he needs to be surrounded by good people. I know, Skip, you, you brought up the first game he came back, you know, how the, you know, the crowd, his dad was there, his boys was there, and it looks like, you know, he's the same crowd, but I, I would assume those guys understand it, the it circumstances like and it, understand yep. ways, yep, it ways to help him. Mm-hmm. So I, I just hope, you know, I know it could get bad with this, with this rehab process, and, and especially when you just came back and you felt a taste of, of, of your love and appreciation and your passion yep. for the game. Yeah. And have it snatched again. Well, hopefully the team, Skip, will have the necessary people around doing his rehab. It, won't wanna, it will not be one of those rehabs where all of a sudden he goes off somewhere and he's going to be away from the yeah. team for an extended period of time while he's rehabbing because he has his own trainer and his own this and his own that. Right. It should all be within that organization so they can keep a close watch and eye just like they did when the 25 games was taken away from him, or when he came back, he was around his team. Because what you don't want to do as a player that's injured is have him isolated. That's the worst thing that you could possibly do for an injured player is not have him be still part of the team. Because, he look, he can still lead even though he's not – it's not the same type of leadership uh, when you're playing on the court. But when you're in the building and people seeing you and you're around, the type of person he is – He's, he's got this, this aura about him 
when he walks into a room, the room lights up. It, it and does. so your team can still yep. use a little bit of that at times. That's true. The only silver lining to this injury, at least it's not his legs. It's least, at least it's not a knee. It's not an Achilles. It's not a broken leg. It's not something that could affect him long term, as in career threatening, that you would think that a labrum, you, you could fix it and it will be as close as you can get to 100% going forward. It is his right arm, obviously his shooting arm. That's but, why I was, I was yeah. just literally thinking that. Yeah, it's, 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 it's it right. It's his right. But, but you would hope. That, that it won't it won't impact him at all going forward the way a some lower leg or knee issue could, right? Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, it won't affect his explosiveness and all that. Yeah, you're right, you're right, Skip. That would that would be way more devastating and way more concerning. Yeah, my final thought on this, and you guys weigh in if you like, but I don't want to get too mystical or spiritual here. But every time injuries like this happen, I just say, why why did that happen? You know, how do you explain? As you guys know, you played a very violent game. But they just happen weirdly, inexplicably, and you, 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 you can't explain it. You just have to deal with it. You so, just some, have to, some things yeah. are wear and tear on your body. Well, it just depends it on, yeah. like I said, I don't know the nature of the injury and how it occurred. But it, in the end, he's a smaller guy. Yep. He jumps out the gym. He does. And he bangs up against people. Basketball, people think basketball is a, a soft situation. It's not. Basketball is rough, man. In, the, in that paint, that stuff gets real dicey, you know. It, it, and so he's a guy who goes to the cup a lot. So you can see where he can get banged up in these situations. And so the great thing, like you said, is it's not his legs. No. It's, in, it's his shooting arm. But here's what I would say. I can guarantee you when he comes back, though, somebody go catch one of them dunks <laughs> just to show you that I'm healthy. Yeah. Well. He's going to have a lot behind it. He got Wimby. So we wish you well, John. We're going to miss you.